0: Welcome to the Unnamed Adventures Podcast. We're doing a five-part series where each episode is recorded while in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. This is part two of five. Episode 22, The Governor's Palace. The Governor's Palace is set for the years immediately prior to the Revolution. It was home to seven royal governors and the first two elected governors in Virginia. The palace was meant to project British authority and wealth. From the large display of periods swords, and guns, to the elegant decor in the grand ballroom. The palace was built to impress.
1: questions are validated. I, however, want to tell you just one thing about this space. As great as it is to be a governor of Virginia, someone like Lord yeah. Dunmore, uh, indeed, um, as great as it is for someone like him to reside in this palace, the average person in 1700s Virginia, when they come to the front door, will not necessarily make it inside this house. When you come to our palace, ladies and gentlemen, you are seeing someone specific. You are here for a very specific reason. So understand this, when you come into the entry hall where we are, yes, almost everything in this room impresses you, but folks, I gotta be honest, you've seen it before. You're the average person in Virginia, you are no doubt familiar with the paneling. It may be painted to make our weapons stand out, but it is black walnut wood. That's a tree very common in this part of Virginia. You've seen the brown best muskets, gentlemen, lining the walls if you're a member of our militia. If you're over 16, you have one of these personal arms in your home because you are drilled once or twice a month at the county courthouse. You are quite literally our National Guard reserves in times of conflict and war. <coughs> now, you may not have seen those swords with the hilts for the infantry or the cavalry swords next to them. You may not have seen the horse pistols, but there's one thing in this room that your eye will be drawn to first. It is none of those things I mentioned. In fact, should you wish to look at it, you're standing on it. Most of us look at this floor because we have been born and raised in Virginia our entire lives. But standing on a white square of marble means for the very first time we are home. White marble, of course, comes as an import from England, folks, right around the city of Dover. You've got that black square of marble coming from Belgium. It is the first floor of its kind. We've never seen it and they never see it again. I think I can personally guarantee you, though, that's not what you looked at when you first came in, correct? Mm-hmm. No, you looked up. You saw the impressive weapons display, 540 total weapons in 1775, yeah. as well as yeah. now, in the walls of our governor's home. Now, they're here for two reasons. On the one hand, please keep a drink close man. On the one hand, you've got these for decorative purposes, but if we need to use these weapons, we can. If we are, however, we're in trouble because the first place we will get them from is the magazine. That's that public storehouse made of brick two blocks from here. It has to be a large rebellion or a major-scale war for us to even think about their removal. I did mention, though, ladies and gentlemen, in 1775, should you come here, you're here for a reason or to see someone specific. In the room on the right that I ask you to see this morning is your parlor. As its name suggests, it's a fancy waiting space. You could have a piece of paper the governor needs to sign immediately, and then it will go from there back to the Capitol building. Or you are waiting for an appointment for some other kind of business. Could be a four-minute wait or four hours. Good thing you have a tea service set up in there to occupy Mm -hmm. your time. Playing cards. You're meant to wait there, and the governor can use that as an office for that type of official business. By comparison, on the left, you have the pantry. If you have a pantry in your homes today, I'm sure you recognize some things in there that you might have. It's mostly storage space. And in that way, that room is no different from what we have today. But in 1775, the pantry too is an office. So girls, if you came to our front door with a basket of eggs in one hand and a basket of vegetables in the other, are we letting you in? No, we're gonna let you around the side door instead. You'll greet the housekeeper, she is in charge of a staff of 91 people, folks. That 91-person staff is mostly enslaved labor. They also have paid servants and indentured servants. It takes a village not only to run our home, but the 12 miles of lands going behind this palace as well, along with taking care of a governor and his family, if he has one. Now, as for that family, folks, in 1775, Lord Dunmore is indeed a family man. Our last royal governor has a wife, seven children, but only six of whom will make the crossing to Virginia. Those children, the family, don't spend a lot of their time in this particular room or space. In a moment, we're going to head upstairs to the third, uh, second floor. I apologize. Uh, I will remind you, of course, not to take photographs on the stairs for safety reasons, as are a lot of busy activity this morning in our building. As we do climb up those stairs, and most of what you are seeing on the grounds today have been rebuilt. Our palace has been standing since 1934. I, however, am knocking on wood because it is actually the longest ever palace to stand on our grounds. Now that original building, folks, it will start its construction in 1705. It takes us almost 16 years to truly finish it. Imagine this, of course, you have a big government building. You keep asking that government for money to fund it. You keep using it, you keep running out. Keep asking for more money. Using it, running out. You get the idea. Um, we we finished that construction. Our first of our total of nine governors will call our palace home in that year. The first governor, very fitting, is the one with the biggest painting in the room this morning. Thank you for the five of you who have a sense of humor. You've got Alexander Spotswood. He's the first of what we call our royal governors to reside here. They're appointed by the king to lead the people of Virginia to be that voice and representation. In 1776, though, we seek our greatest change of all. We're gonna choose to become independent from the crown, and we will choose, sir, if you don't mind pointing out, Like Vanna White, that gentleman next to you. Thank you, sir. Very good. Patrick Henry in the center, folks, with the red coat. He's our first governor of our state of Virginia. Next to him is Thomas Jefferson. He is our second. Thank you again, sir. He's our second governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, but only here for three months before another change comes. This change this time is one of government, a shift in the capital city. Our capital in Williamsburg will cease to exist in 1780. It will now be in Richmond as of that year and is still there today. Unfortunately, though, for us, folks, the reason that we do not have the original palace for you today here. We're going to close this a little bit so that way you can hear me a little better. The reason we don't have the original palace is because although this palace will be around for a little bit longer after that capital moves, When it becomes a hospital for American wounded, it is a few days before Christmas of 1781 that we suffer a fire. The newspapers say no one knows how the fire got started. Although the buildings on the ground survive, it's only the house that will burn, and it will be totally destroyed in just three hours. We are very lucky though, if you fast forward in history to the 1920s. We have a hunch that the palace is here and not much else to go on so we start digging. We were right. Just underneath the where you folks are sitting, we found the stones from 1705 still intact. We also found a collection of objects that were scattered in the rubble that it caved in. Um, in fact, we found 25,000 of those loose articles. So you'll see some of them peppered throughout the house today. Although we are very busy and our time together will be short, should you wish to return at 4 o'clock today, you do have an opportunity to see the palace in that last hour of the day on your own time. And I'm certainly happy, along with my colleagues, to tell you if any item in the palace is from that original one. And as great as it would be to talk about things and stuff, That's not why you're here. (laughs) Folks, our goal today, at least my goal with my guests, is to people the palace. To talk about the people that are in there, to talk about the events surrounding them. And if there is one person I mentioned more than any other during our visit together today, it's gonna be this gentleman here to your right. We have here on the wall our seventh and our last royal governor in Virginia. His name is John Murray, the fourth Earl of Dunmore. Don't remember any of that. His title is that of an Earl, but we call him Lord Dunmore. Lord Dunmore is, as you might guess from his attire, from Scotland, but no stranger to colonial leadership. Folks, it's all about who you know. For Lord Dunmore, at the age of eight, he'll travel from his native Scotland to London, where he will become a close friend and fellow student of Prince George Augustus Frederick, better known to you as King George III, many years into the future, the two are friends since they were children. They have the same mentors, so it's only fitting you reward your friends by their loyalty, especially if you're a king by making them a governor of New York. Anybody listening from there today? New Yorkers, wonderful. There's actually a lake Dunmore named for that gentleman, uh, very in the most northern part of your state. For Lord Dunmore, though, he likes New York, folks. He's there for a year, and the weather is very similar to his native Scotland. How many of us can say the same kind of weather is in Virginia as in New York? Thank you, for, man for disagreeing with that. Because this is a different change, ladies and gentlemen. Not only climate, but of people. There's a reason Lord Dunmore is our last royal governor. We're gonna be talking about that as we go through the house today. However, as we do so, I am going to ask your assistance. Should you have any cell phones, electronics that ring, ding, or sing, I am going to ask that you take this minute before we go inside to please silence those or to turn them off completely. I appreciate that a great deal, and I know your fellow visitors will as well. Should you have cameras? Cameras, you are welcome to use to take as many photographs as you'd like inside the building. For my personal comfort, I ask that you not video record any of our tour today, but should you wish to take pictures, anywhere in the palace is fair game except one place, the stairs. Trust me when I say I don't want anybody in my groups to have a nice trip and see you next fall too seriously. Anywhere else in the house, though, is fine, ladies and gentlemen, Flash or otherwise. And food and drinks. I do ask that you please keep those closed and sealed at all times when we are inside. Chewing gum, I see about maybe 12 people chewing it right now. Please ensure that you dispose of it before we go inside the building today. That's a help to make us sure that we have another 80 years here on our grounds. In a moment, when we exit, should you don't not have a way to get rid of that gum place it in the clay pot outside of the sermons quarter. It may be a little waterlogged if you want to pick it up at the end of our 25-minute visit. Again, work with me. If y'all don't laugh, this is going to be a rough tour. All right, folks, we are going to head inside. My name is Kathleen. Please follow me. Stay close. Let's go see the palace. So ladies and gentlemen, we've walked through quite a number of rooms on our second floor. Allow me to tell you what they were. The first room on this floor is the biggest space. You may remember me mentioning our governor is married with children. Lord Dunmore in 1775 will have three sons and three daughters along with his wife join him in Virginia as part of his residence here. Folks again we'll step all the way in my colleague will be closing that door just behind us for our group. The daughters, the eldest ones, are the only ones to share a room. That is the first one you walked through. The biggest room on this floor is for Lady Catherine. Our governor's oldest child is 15 years old. Her younger sister is Augusta at 14. The girls share the room, but three other brothers and one younger sister will sleep upstairs. They have rooms to themselves by comparison, but much smaller than their sisters. The added, I suppose, bonus, though, is that they have their tutor and governess in the same room as them. Her name, folks, is Francoise Galli. She's from Paris, in charge of education, bringing up young ladies, especially of noble birth. The second and third rooms you walk through, though, are for a different use. A dressing closet connects to a guest room. You may have noticed it's not as elaborate. It's not as fancy as the girls' room, but still respectable enough for people like George Washington to come and stay overnight. He and Lord Dunmore are quite close. My, how times will change. As for this room, this is more than likely what you are coming to if you are here to visit with the family, for even a casual visit. What you are walking into is the dressing room. It is a place to get ready. It is a place to receive the family, to hear the girls play their instruments, to talk. But most importantly, as you walk through the double doors behind me, you're seeing one of the most expensive things in this entire house, the fabric on the walls. Just like the chairs, folks, it's crimson silk damask coming from London. It is a fabric that is quite expensive to maintain, let alone to make. I'm not gonna lie you, folks. This is also the room where you come to see the youngest member of our family. In December of 1774, adults almost nine months to the day after our governor's wife arrives, we had that youngest child of our governor and his wife born. It's a baby girl and she will be christened by her father as lady virginia murray a sweet gesture many will see it as others will see it as a political tool a way to gain favor reputation folks that will certainly not help our governor in 1775 on april 21st on that day our family will wake to some news they'll actually see it firsthand as they look out the window For on that April morning, they will discover a crowd of 200 men, guns in hand. Mm -hmm. They are armed at the end of their front lawn. They are very angry. They have every right to be. Folks, I'm going to pose a question to you. Riddle me this. If you were a governor, what is your main job? What are you supposed to do? Go ahead. Just say it out loud. That's funny, I think so. Um, All right, so to keep the peace. I also heard others say to protect the people. Others might say to do the king's bidding. All of these are correct. But if you were told by your king that you can do whatever you want to protect your people, whatever means necessary, whatever you may take, whatever you may do, you would have to do it, yes? (coughs) You're obeying the king's authority after all but if you heard rumors of an uprising and you decided you were going to take some uh, gunpowder some weapons from the public storehouse do you think you would have a problem getting it no you're right you're the governor you've got the key to that storehouse it is the king's property folks my question is this how do the people of virginia feel about that no think about it like this if you are trusting your governor to keep you safe in the first place how can you be expected to trust him when he's taking from you the very items you need to feel that way in the first place you don't trust him when the governor gives that order for removal of those supplies those men catch him in the middle of the night by the way that order's given at 2 a.m so those men gather their anger is justified their goal is simple They're marching down the front lawn to our front gate. They're gonna meet with the governor and demand he give back what we feel as the people of Virginia has been forcibly taken from us. But folks, think of it from another perspective. How many of you in this room today are someone's parent? How many of you are someone's brother or sister? How many of you are someone's child? Everybody raise your hand. (laughs) Folks, you can understand how our governor's family must have felt. This dressing room is your safe space. You don't have to worry about what goes on outside of the doors and windows until it comes to your front doorstep. There are no armed guards between that front gate, the lawn, and you in the safety and comfort of your home. This is terror. This is going to be something that is concerning for our family. Those men will never make it there. Peace will be temporary. But folks, we have history on our side. You and I know better. This isn't the end, it's the beginning. If you will follow me, we'll stay to the left. Our ballroom is where we come to celebrate birthdays, victories in war, state holidays, christenings of governor's children. No matter why we're here, it's likely the two people behind me who are going to be the ones determining when we gather. You may recognize a portrait to my right of His Most Britannic Majesty, King George III. Recall, he's still your king as of 1775. Next to him, his wife is Queen Charlotte. It's also no coincidence you're lining up beside these two if you're arriving here for a celebration. But of course, you are the best of Virginia. When you receive an invitation to a ball, folks, you will dress your best, look your best, dance your best because you are the best. When you come in here, ladies would line up beside the queen gentlemen beside the king. Not only by gender, but by social rank and order. One at a time, the first dance that you will do is a dance from France known as the Minuet. It's 13 counts. It is something that you can study for years, but still trip yourself up on occasion, quite literally. For when you learn that Minuet for the first time, you're learning patterns, not steps. There's no way to anticipate what your partner will do on the dance floor until the moment they do it. By the way, did I mention it's only the two of you dancing while 30 to 40 pairs of eyes are watching (laughs) you? Who's feeling confident? (laughs) The goal is simple. You know your dance steps, you show them off, because if you don't, the rest of us in this room are absolutely judging you. Ladies, we gotta talk about who's got the most expensive looking gown on. Gentlemen, you might be wondering why on earth Peyton Randolph chose to wear a three foot tall wig, whether it was to impress people or it was because he wanted his head to shrink like this. But most importantly, we are talking about you as you dance and we are hoping you are a good dancer. If you are not, it shows up as gossip in the newspapers days after events here. Now folks, that music, of course, it's coming from instruments like the harpsichord on the left, as well as the bureau organ in the back right corner. Just above that organ, you are noticing a picture of a king from another time. He is not alive in the 1700s, but King Charles II's great-granddaughter is. You know who she is. Our governor's wife, Lady Dunmore. Folks, Lady Dunmore is quite literally royalty. So when we get the family coming here, and Lady Virginia's birth, means we have royalty among our presence for one of the first times in Virginia's history. (laughs) Next to him, we have his wife, ladies and gentlemen, Catherine Braganza. We have, of course, those two portraits here to demonstrate that connection with our governor. But recall that when you come here, you're dressing your best, you are dancing in front of groups of people, Uh, not just that minuet, Scottish reels, Irish jigs, French country dances. Adults, do we remember square dancing in elementary school? That is exactly what your French country dance is. But when all is said and done, you're going to get hungry, thirsty even. If you need to, you have a whole other room in the back of this house for that food and drink. You will follow me now. We are heading to that room. Please brace yourselves, my first-time visitors. There is a shocking color change coming. Uh, Folks, you've got your supper room here. Now, your supper is not a full-fledged dinner. You've already had that by the time Mm -hmm. you come to our governor's home in celebration. But you do, however, again, ma'am, please keep that close. Sorry, it's okay, it's okay, you're fine. So you've got here foods that are mostly dried. Again, folks, please take a couple steps in. We gotta make room for everyone. Your foods are almonds, walnuts, pistachios, Lemon, lime, and orange peels, but after they're dried, they are dipped not once, but twice in liquid sugar. You are also adults having imbibements if you understand what that means. You are having a little bit of food and drink here when you get tired. Go back into the ballroom to dance. When you're done, get hungry or thirsty, you have this room once again for your use. This room, folks, is also the last one that our royal governor and his family will ever see in their time in Williamsburg. On June 8th of 1775, it's been some months since that incident we referred to upstairs. But that doesn't mean there's not problems and tensions. Our governor will make the choice again in the middle of the night to leave out the back doors of our palace with his family. They will walk 12 miles to the York River, where the family will be put on board a ship. They will be sent home to Scotland. Though the governor remains behind, none of them will ever see their former home again. The governor... We'll stick around, but in 1776, we'll also go back home at the command of his friend, the king. As you might expect though, it takes us almost two weeks to really realize the governor actually left. (laughs) But once we figure out that he's not coming back, we do what any good patriot would do. We break into the palace. We are going to take all of the weapons you saw in the front hall to the magazine. We're gonna use them for the war effort after we count them up. But we will also take the governor's personal things he leaves behind, chuck them on the front lawn, and have a big auction for the war effort. (laughs) One of the people who spearheads that auction, ladies and gentlemen, is an interesting bit of trivia for you is someone some of you may know. At the time, in 1775, he isn't a president yet, but he's 17 years old. This young man is a lieutenant colonel in Virginia's militia and dropped out from the College of William and Mary to serve what became his country. This man was none other than future fifth president of our United States, Mr. James Monroe. So, folks, I think as we end our tour with a bit of humor, this is proof in Mr. Monroe's case that politicians stir up trouble long before they become politicians. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us today. It helps when you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast that you enjoy and listen to. We appreciate all the support we've received since we've started to transform our lives into finding out our unknown. We hope through our journey of living our lives debt-free while traveling full-time that you will be encouraged to pursue your own passions. If you want to learn more about our journey, check us out on all major social media platforms.